Good morning, everyone. Good morning, half of you. The rest of you will see next service. It's, uh, it's fun to see who the bright and cheery ones in the morning are. And uh, I'm glad you're here today as we start a new fall season. And this whole series of messages we're doing revolves around the vision and mission of our church. So I've been here for a year plus as a pastor now, and people say, where are we going? What's our vision? They're going, well, wait till September. Well, September's here, and so now we get to explore what it is we feel God is directing and guiding us to in the coming years. And um, I want it to be very, very clear where we're headed and why we're doing what we're doing and so by the end of this series of messages, I hope that you will be able to recite with me at least what our, our vision statement is. And uh, let's say it together. Uh, that's our mission, sorry. Here's our vision statement. And it's on the wall here. If you forget it, every Sunday you go out and you read it. It says, to transform the world together through the power of God, one life at a time. Let's try that one more time. To transform the world together through the power of God, one life at a time. So we looked at that last week, and this week we're going to say, okay, that's the big picture, that's the big purpose, but how do you work that out in our daily life and in our, in our ministries? And so we're looking at the next level, which our mission. So more specifically, what is it we're trying to do? So our mission, in one word or one sentence, is to seek and serve Christ. Uh, say that with me to seek and serve Christ. And I want to look at what those words mean today, and then we're going to look at the first uh, mission statement that we have uh, on our wall already. Before I do, let me go ahead and pray. Father God, it's a busy day uh, because you're always active around us. You're always drawing people to yourself. You're always uh, filling people with your, your presence to empower them to accomplish your will in their life. Um, and today, Father, we're asking for your presence to guide us into your word, to understand what it is that you have said in the past and what you are saying to us today, um, because you are living and active, and your word can penetrate to our very soul, giving us guidance and comfort, direction, peace, and challenge. So today, Father, let us hear from you, and may we accept the challenge that you put to us today. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. So many years ago when I lived, and by the way, a lot of my stories come from my life because that's the only life I know. So <laughs> if you get tired of hearing about Europe or my trips and that, it's because, well, that's all I know. So I'm letting you in on a few things that have happened to me to shape and mold who I am and how I think. But many years ago, I was uh, to speak at a conference in Interlaken, Switzerland, and Interlaken that means between the lakes. And so there's this village in between two massive lakes in this valley in the Swiss Alps. And uh, where I was, there was a national, or an international convention every year, and there was uh, camps for kids, uh, kids uh, VBS for the children, the teenagers and the adults would come together. Well, we had driven down past Switzerland into Italy to do a little bit of vacationing. First time we did that, that's a whole different story. But on the way back... I, uh, I saw a sign to Interlaken and on the Autobahn driving through, and I said, so I just I turned left, and my intention was to go through the valleys and, and, and just make our way into this town of Interlaken. Well, we're, you know, I don't know German, 
And uh, I couldn't really follow all the signs very well. My wife was sleeping. She's my navigator. And it's hard to know which way to go when your navigator is asleep. So I just hung a left. And instead of going through the valleys, we started going up and up and up and up. It's like, where are we going? Like, I just want to go to this town and find the place where we're staying. Well, if you've been anywhere in that region where those Alps are, you, you understand that the more up you go, the more vistas you see behind you in your rearview mirror. And the mountains and the valleys are just amazing. Uh, like the, I'd, I'd say the Rocky Mountains are something, but the Alps, they're just something else. You look halfway up these Alps, and there's these tiny green pastures with villages up there, and only gondolas that access them. It's just like these amazing things we're seeing. But all my family was seeing was directly ahead of us. The switchbacks, these roads are going back and forth. They could see the side of a mountain. And I, in my rearview mirror, I, what was developing behind me was just incredible. I wanted to stop and take a picture. Well, there's these tour buses coming. Apparently, there's some glacier up where we're headed for some reason. It's a really narrow road. You know how those switchback roads are when you're going up a mountain? And you have to be careful because your family's starting to go... Get a little woozy there, Dad. Take it easy. So I was on a mission. I wanted to find a place to stop and take some photographs of the, the valleys that were just spreading out before us. And so I was desperate. I needed to find a pullout, and there was no pullouts. And these buses were coming down and coming, trying behind us, and cars were coming. And I was in this minivan that had really slopy noses on it, like you can't see the front of your minivan. Um, I don't know what kind it was. It was Vauxhall or something like that. <clears throat> and uh, so I'm driving, and we're halfway up this mountain, and the views were tremendous. And I kept trying to tell them to look at the views. Look behind, and they're going, I can't, you know, we're getting sick, so... I turned this corner, and there's this patch of gravel just the same size as the minivan, pretty much. So instead of going on the road, I turned a sharp, sharp turn and went onto this little patch of gravel, but because you couldn't even see the front of the van, all you could see was nothing. <laughs> and my daughter, she screams, and my wife, she screams. She thought we're going off the side of the hill. There's, they're screaming, they're starting to cry, and my two sons are laughing because my daughters are cry, screaming, crying, and... My wife was hitting me in the arms, like, why did you do that to us? My daughter thought she was going to die. All of her life flashed before her eyes at, you know, 14 years old, hadn't even kissed a boy yet, you know, it's like, life is over, and I hadn't even lived. <clears throat> she actually, she buried her head in her arms and uh, was sobbing in her seat. And I'm thinking, I'm just trying to show you a view. Like, I, I want to be a blessing to you. And now I've been a curse. She didn't talk to me for two and a half days until she finally forgave me of that moment. And I just was trying to, like, I had this mission of trying to give them a great view and a, a scenic uh, memory. And uh, I ruined it. Like, I terrified the, the girls in my car. And I did learn that I never did that again. Uh, I decided to warn them ahead of time next time. But our church is also on a mission. We're on a mission not to terrify you, but to challenge you to, to go with God and where he's wanting to take us. And do I know where that is? Mm, kind of. But I want to give Jesus enough space to do whatever he chooses. I don't want to lock Jesus into any particular vision I have. I want to know what's on his heart. I want to know what's on his mind for his church to do. You see, I am not the shepherd of this church. I am an under-shepherd. We have a chief shepherd who's guiding his flock here at MRAC. So our mission is to seek and serve Christ. 
we have five subcategories. One is by bringing others to Christ. The second, you'll find on the wall each week the new one, empowering people to live, serve, and grow in Christ, helping people belong before they believe, overcoming barriers and boundaries with the gospel, and celebrating the goodness of God. So I want to look first today at what does it mean to seek Christ? What does it mean to seek Jesus? I don't know if I mentioned this before. I think I did last Christmas. But my favorite bumper sticker of all time comes out at Christmas. And it's a picture of these wise men on camels, kind of a silhouette. And it says, wise men still seek him. And I think that's true for more than 2,000 years, that wise people still are seeking Christ. Because he is the truth. He is the way. He is the door. He is the the one that leads and guides and empowers us. So why seek Jesus? Well, I have a couple of points here. First is what I call providence. We seek Jesus for providence. And providence is defined as the protective care of God. I love this verse in Deuteronomy 4, 7. It says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call on him? Like they recognized that all the other nations around them had gods that were made of idols. They carved out of stone. Or they were wooden. But they never weren't alive. They, they didn't respond. Whereas when you call upon the God of the Israelites, he showed up. He protected. He cared for his people. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. So what we want to do, we want to seek the Lord, our God, with all of our heart and all of our soul. We want to seek him. Why? Because he cares for us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's protecting us. We want to find him so we can experience him like never before. Why do we seek him? Well, we seek him also because of his provisions for us. He actually does provide everything we need. I've had the ups and downs over my life, careers, you know, times of plenty, times of real lean times, and... I've had times where I've had to end up paying my tithe on the credit card because there was nothing left in the bank anymore and knowing money's coming in eventually to cover. Um, But I've never gone hungry. I've never not had food for my kids. I've never not been able to get my car repaired or pay the the power bill. Somehow, over some 32 years of marriage, um, we've made it. And we just placed our life in his hands and we say, God, we're seeking you Because we know you care for us and you're going to provide for our needs. You will provide provisions. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life or what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things are going to be added to you. Fear not, flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The New Living Translation says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. And live a righteous life, and he will give you everything you need. The old prophet Amos, he says in chapter 5, 14, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. Why do we seek Jesus? What's the point of seeking him? Well, not just providence or, 
or provisions, but also there's a precedent. I've seen this in the scriptures where it's proven over and over to be true. Second Chronicles 26.3 talks about King Uzziah. He's 16 years old. Remember Queen Elizabeth? When did she? 25 years old she became queen? Is that right? Check my math. Uzziah was 16 when he became king. His dad passed on and they turned to him. 16-year-old Uzziah, when he began to reign, he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And here's the verse 5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And here, this. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. At the end of his life, he quit seeking the Lord. He got proud. He got arrogant. He thought he had it all. He'd done it by his own power, and God took it all away. And he was left a very, very humbled man in the end. But it's something that we need to model for our teenage. He's 16 years old. Yet someone took time with him. Zechariah, it said, the prophet, instructed him in the ways of the Lord. How are we modeling for our own teenagers today, seeking the Lord in our homes? Do you spend time praying with your kids about things you're you're challenging your family? Do you pray with your grandkids when they're in your house? Do you ask God to intervene in their life? Do you submit to what God is trying to ask of your family? And together, seeking the Lord. And then when he answers, do you celebrate the answers, the goodness? I've mentioned this before, but every Christmas time and New Year's, sorry, Christmas Eve, my family, whoever's with us, we gather together and we review the year. How did God answer your prayers this year? How did God intervene in our family this year? And time and time and time again, they bring things up that we had prayed for, that God answered. And we celebrate that, his goodness to us. Also, we seek God because of the promise he made to us. He says, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The question this morning is, what are you seeking? What is it that we are seeking as God's people? Are we seeking pleasure, wealth, more stuff, reputation, influence? Because God doesn't honor that kind of seeking. You're kind of on your own. You want to seek that stuff? Go for it, but it won't last. It will leave you empty. It will leave you craving more. God blesses those who seek him, who seek his kingdom above all else. Are you struggling financially? Are you struggling emotionally or in friendships with anxiety and worry? What is it that you're seeking If you realize it this morning that in the midst of all the stuff that you're facing that you're not actually seeking God, you might want to try. (laughs) Test him. It's It's a promise. You seek him, you're going to find him, and he will begin to address every single one of those things that are causing you issues. In what direction is your heart and soul leaning? Is it towards God or towards what the world offers? Okay, so you say, okay, see, I get the seeking part, and we can seek God in our prayer time. We can, we can bow before him. We can worship him. We can seek him in the scripture readings when we go into his word, meditating on his word throughout the day, letting his word permeate our heart and soul and our mind. But what does it mean to serve Jesus? 
Sometimes that's a tough one because we think Jesus is up in heaven standing at the right hand of God. Maybe he is at the throne room somewhere. <clears throat> How do you serve Jesus? Well, the, the word uh, serve is pretty much the same as the minister. And let's, let's do a little bit of a history lesson back in the book of Exodus. Because, or, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 10 talks about the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry out the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to stand before the Lord. And these words have always raised my eyebrows a little bit. He, he asked the tribe of Levi to minister to him and to bless his name. And I was, how do you minister to God? I mean, didn't he create me and you? Didn't he create everything? How, what do we have to offer God? Like there's really nothing that we have that he doesn't already have except perhaps our love. Perhaps our willingness to know him, to to search for him, to seek for him, to to stay before him as his people. 1 Kings 8.10 says, when the priests came out of the holy place, this was after the offerings of Solomon in the, the new temple, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not even stand to minister because of the cloud. The glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. It's one of my favorite, all-time favorite passages in the Bible where God showed up. His glory filled his temple. And it said that the ministers couldn't even do their job because it was too overwhelming, the presence of God. And, and I like that picture that God is basically saying, I'm accepting your offering. I'm accepting your worship. I'm accepting that you have come to me, you have bowed down to me, you have acknowledged that I am your God, and I, will be, I want to be your God. I want to lead you and guide you and bless you and care for you. Today, when his glory shows up, it's like, yes, it's all together. It's working. It's what God intended from the very beginning. So when we commit our lives to Christ's service, what I've learned is that Jesus also commits his life to our service. You realize that Jesus isn't just sitting at the throne room of God or standing at his right-hand side. He's constantly interceding on our behalf. Jesus hasn't stopped serving us. Even after his death and his resurrection, he continues to serve us. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's our master and savior, but he's interceding to to the Father on our behalf. So why do you... Why do we pray in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why do we bother with that? Why do we say that? Well, I think it's because he's the one who brings our prayers up to the Father. We pray to Jesus in his name, and he says, yeah, I agree. Let me just, let me have a word with my dad about this. Let's see if we can send some angels to address this. Let's see if we can provide for you what you need. Let's see if we can provide the protection and the direction and the care for you that you need He's constantly working on our behalf. And so we, in the same light, we turn around to serve him. And then he says in Colossians 3.24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in Galatians 5.13 that you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, Serve one another. So we serve Christ, but he's saying, yeah, serve me, but I also want you to serve one another. I want you to care for one another. I want you to bless one another. You're not on your own. You're in a family. We're trying to transform the world together as a church congregation. So our mission statement speaks of serving Christ. In Matthew's gospel, I know you've heard this passage, but it's just a review for you. 
In Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, Jesus actually says what it actually can look like if you want to serve him. How do we serve Jesus in heaven? He says, by serving others. And this is how it looks. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's him, and when all the angels with him, that's him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger, welcome you in or naked or cl- and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So should we be hanging out in prisons? Or in West Hastings with our used clothing, handing it out? Should we be driving people to the hospital or the clinic that are sick? Um, yes. But, but it's more than that. Jesus is saying that he wants us to be him. He wants us to take his place. He's not here physically. He's here spiritually through us. We become his hands and his feet. There are also single moms in our midst who struggle to pay their mortgage, much less get new winter coats for their growing kids. Serve them. There's international students who come with no family support, loads of student loans, no chance of going back home to be with their family at Christmas. Have them over. Put a gift box together for them. Invite them to your family, to your home. Be a family away from family because we're all one in Christ. I was in new immigrant families who speak no English. So my wife teaches the fifth grade, and uh, she has a student that's just been dumped into her class from the Ukraine. She's got Google Translate on her cell phone. So how are you today? I'm fine. Okay. Uh, do you understand the assignment? Who's going to spend time with this young lad during the week just to help him with English? Who's going to sit down and read books to them? Because you love Jesus, we can serve others that have a need. Just reading with kids, getting the, the, the books out, getting the science. Do you understand? Google Translate all you like. It's valuable. Driving such people to the appointments and to the shopping is a blessing. Because uh, they don't know. They don't even read our signs yet. I've been to Greece and I've been to... Um, Places where you have a different alphabet altogether, and fortunately, I took Greek in, in a seminary. It kind of helped. But when you have a totally different alphabet, it's like me going to Japan. There's what the squiggles are on the, on the signs for. You know, but for a Canadian to come up and say, can I drive you? Can I take you? Do you need shopping? Can you need groceries? This is what we do by ser- how we serve Jesus. Transforming one life at a time. Look around the foyer every week. Ask God, who is it that you need to show love to today? Who is it that needs someone to come put their arm on their shoulders and pray with them today? 
Who, who needs a quick prayer or a follow-up coffee this week? Who needs you to watch their kids for a couple of hours so they can go shopping? Who needs someone to cry with them over situations that they're facing? There's opportunities all the time, all around us, and we're saying, let's open our eyes. If we seek Jesus, he will show us how to serve him each day. If not us, then who? And the number one thing we want to do to seek and serve Jesus by bringing others to Christ. That's the, the, the most important thing we can do for anyone is in, introduce them to our Jesus who will do the rest. He'll take it from there. He'll use us and other people to bless people and guide them in their, their, <laughs> the rest of their eternal life with him. This, the disciple Andrew uh, brings his brother Peter to the Lord. He also brought a boy in John chapter 6, a boy with loaves of bread and two fishes to Jesus. Andrew also brought Greeks to Jesus. We look at the disciple Philip who found Nathaniel and says, hey, come see the one we've been searching for. He's, come see the Messiah. And Nathaniel says, well, can anything come out of good, come out of Nazareth? You know, this Jesus, he's from Nazareth, actually. And uh, finally Philip says, just come and see. Come and see for yourself. Who this guy is, he will astound you and amaze you with, with his wisdom. And he brought Nathaniel, skeptical Nathaniel, just come and see. So, why is it so hard to bring others to Christ? Why is it so hard to share the gospel or the good news with other people? And I think I figured out why. You can write this down if you want. <coughs> Excuse me. Why it's so hard? First of all, let me set up the picture here. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. So verse 18 says, He's given to us this ministry of reconciliation between man and God. Whereas God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and putting the word of reconciliation in us, Verse 20 says, we are his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we, we know we've been given a message of reconciliation between God and people. We know that God is making his appeal through us to those, who have, to those people who have not yet heard the message. Uh, we want to give them hope and peace. In verse uh, one eight, uh, chapter one eight of Acts, it says, "Here's the secret: <laughs> you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses, and telling people about me everywhere." And when I looked at this verse again this week, and I realized we're trying to tell people about Christ everywhere, but we're not doing it through the power. We're being intimidated. We're feeling um, inadequate. We're feeling like we don't know what to say. Well, what if they? What if they don't like me? Well, what if they reject me? You know, when you have the power of Christ in you, you don't care about any of those uh, questions. When you have the power of Christ, there's nothing that intimidates. There's nothing that will turn you away. When you have the power of Christ in you, you're not afraid anymore. We're trying to do God's work without his power. We're trying to be smart. We're trying to be uh, <clears throat> careful with our words. We're lacking the power of God. Remember, transforming the world together through the power of God one person at a time. 
So I'm convinced that it's not that we don't know what to say or that we are too afraid or that we are afraid of how they respond. It's that we are trying to share on our own wisdom and our own strength without the power of God because we forget who we are. We are a child of God Almighty. We are a royal priesthood in a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And we are brothers and sisters of Christ. We are filled with the presence of an unconquerable spirit, and we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want you to say that with me. I hope it's on the next slide. Nope. Try again. Is it in there? There we go. I'm just going to ask you about one, two, three, four, five questions. Who are you? Weird. Who are you? Who are you? And who are you? And who are you? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.1, Friends, I, when I came to you, the mystery of God that I had shared with us, uh, I didn't use big words or tried to sound wise. In fact, while I was with you, I made up my mind to speak about only Jesus, who had been nailed to a cross. At first, <laughs> I was weak, and I was trembling with fear. And when I talked with you or preached, I didn't try to prove anything by sounding wise. I simply let God's Spirit show His power and that way, you would have faith because of God's power and not because of human wisdom. Father, give us 1 Kings 18 power that Elijah used on Mount Carmel against his prophets. Father in heaven, give us Exodus 14 power that Moses used to part the Red Sea. Give us 2 Kings 4 power that Elijah used to raise a child from the dead. Give us Daniel 3 and 6, courage that Daniel and his friends did to do the right thing even though it meant their life was on the line. Give us the book of Acts power of the disciples who willingly put their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel. This is the kind of power that's permeating the whole scriptures. When people got the power of God, they did amazing things. Not them, God threw them. You're afraid to share your faith with the person at the bus stop? Take a moment and ask God to fill you with his presence and with his power. And he'll give you every word you ever thought to say, and you'll be amazed what happens. Because it's not you, it's him. You can be uh, weak and trembling with fear like Paul. But what happened? When the power of God showed up, transformation took place. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That's, that's, that's his, his requirement. There's no room for cowards, no room for half-hearted followers or double-minded people. we got to be all in. we got to be 100%. That's how we transform the world is through the power of God, one life at a time, not because we're smart or in... Remember what I said last week? Goliath had strength. David had power. Who won? Forever. David is known as the one who killed Goliath. It wasn't David. He wasn't that smart. He wasn't so talented. He wasn't so strong. But he had the power of God. You can be weak and trembling like the Apostle Paul. But let the power of God take over and do 
what needs to be done in and through you. It'll transform your home. It'll transform your marriage, your business, your school life, your friendships, your community. That's what I want to see at MRAC in these coming years, the power of God resident among us, transformation taking every week, roses after roses up here from people that gave their lives to Jesus saying, the power of God is at work here. Come into this place and watch out. You don't know what's going to happen to you because God might get a hold of you, might transform you, might speak into your life in ways you've never seen before. But that's who we serve. Don't forget who you are. Let's pray. Father God, this is your day that you wanted to speak to us. Remember who we are in you. We are nothing on our own. We are mighty warriors with an unconquerable spirit in us through you. Father, we cannot transform this world around us unless we have your power. May we stay in your presence, Father, long enough that you would empower us to see what you see and to do what you ask us to do. May we be your ambassadors. May we have the ministry of reconciliation that is constantly being poured out to others who want to come to you, who want to know the truth, who want to find you. Father, may we seek you with our heart and our soul. May we be transformed by your presence. May we be on mission for you. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.